love you, Jesus. Have your way in all our hearts, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Have I got anybody agreeing with me? Isn't he wonderful? Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for doing that. That's so sweet. You guys are just the best in the world. You've got the greatest church on the coast. You've got the greatest pastors, Pastor Phil and Julie. Haven't you guys got the best pastors? Hey, and, and what about the team that leads us? And, and what about these guys? I mean, how cool are they? Aren't they cool? And Andrew, and how cute is this baby? Hey, I mean, let's have a church full of babies. Wouldn't it be marvelous if everybody just got married and we had lots of babies? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Church would grow quick, wouldn't it? Awesome. I want to bring you a word this morning, if I can, kind of a teaching word. Um, tonight I'm going to preach, as I said, on the steps of miracles. And I preached it for Pastor Gordon in, in Bridgman Downs, which is the second largest church in the C3 movement. They have uh, 2,800 members in their church now. And this year alone, they've had 545 people either converted to Christ or what they call repeats. In other words, they've come back to the Lord. And now they're established 545 new members in the church. Isn't that good? And uh, yeah, you can clap your hands if you want to. Awesome. When I heard that they had that many new people in the church, uh, Pastor Gordon said, we're going to take up a thanksgiving offering at the end of this year, and we're not going to take it for granted that God has been good to us. And so immediately I said to Kathy, without even talking to her, I just looked her in the eyes and I said, we are going to put $1,000 into that thanksgiving offering. And so uh, we were up there in Brisbane preaching. We came home and Kathy wrote the check out and I posted at the airport last week as we were flying to Melbourne to preach in the great city of Melbourne. Awesome. Let's open our Bibles together. Are you with me? Let's open our Bibles to 1 John 2. 1 John, the epistle of John. And maybe we could turn this fan off me if you don't mind because it will flick my Bible shut. Maybe we could just put it on the people. Thank you. That would be great. 1 John 2, the epistle of John. 1 John 2 and verse 20 says, You have an anointing from the Holy One. Say that to the person next to you. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And then verse 27, I want you to see this and focus with me. He says, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. You need to know that. The anointing doesn't come and go and visit now and then and then disappear and then increase at later date. It abides. The anointing of the Spirit of God abides in your life. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as you as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie as just as it has taught you to abide in Him. So I believe this morning, first of all, let's recognize the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we've received from Him is upon our lives in an abiding dimension so that we can serve the Lord because the purpose of this abiding anointing is that we will remain in Jesus. We won't get disconnected from Him or lose our track or our focus or get distracted out there by all the stuff. There's so much noise going on in the world, isn't there? 
I mentioned the noise in the Middle East from the imams, but just as much in the West here, there's so much noise coming at us from everywhere, white noise. And we're not getting necessarily the clear voice that God wants us to have, but let's understand the anointing that we've received from the Holy One teaches us, everybody say teaches us, notice it's not teaching me, it's teaching us So we need to be connected to Him, but we need to be connected to each other and to the local church because we need the community of each other and we need the community of the church to keep us abiding. Other believers help us to stay on track. Other believers help us to walk with the Lord and to keep us focused on Jesus. And uh, I think this year was my 46th year of following Jesus. 46 years. That's not bad, is it? And then on top of that, I found out that this year for Kathy, she has been walking with Christ for 50 years. And she's only 42, so I don't know how that happened anyway. Amen. (laughs) So the Lord is so wonderful to us. He has sent the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not just for feelings or encounters, or movements of His presence on our lives, but literally to keep us focused on Jesus so that we won't lose connection with Him. And we will abide in Him by the Spirit and walk with the Lord. And uh, I just love that passage of Scripture for that. It says in other places, and you might want to turn there, Psalm 92.10, David said, he said of the Lord, he said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. And what he's talking about in that particular verse is a release of a new authority coming in his life, in his prayers, in his position with the Lord because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. He says, I have been, notice the tense, not I was, I have been anointed. And uh, I want to encourage you this morning to recognize the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what keeps us on track and gives us an authority to serve the Lord and to walk in faith in the realms of of our life with the Lord. Isn't that true? But then I believe also alongside that anointing and keeping us focused on Jesus, we need the wisdom of the Word. Everybody say the wisdom of the Word. Imagine a Christian life without the Word. Imagine a Christian life without the Bible. And, And think about it this way. For the first 1,500 years of Christianity, there were no Bibles. So after the cross and the resurrection of Christ, for the first 1,500 years, that's a long time. (laughs) Hello, 1,500 is a long time. I know we sort of pass it by pretty quickly. There were no Bibles. But the transmission of the Word came from heart to heart and was preached by leaders and teachers who had been there in the beginning and seen the stuff start off. Even in the year 1600 AD, there were Bibles, but people couldn't afford them. And it wasn't printed in in the language of the day either. And so, you know, Christ was central. That's the abiding anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the power and the presence of God in our lives, Christ being central. It kept them close to the Lord, but the wisdom of God was being transmitted as they walked with the Lord and as they walked with each other. 
and as they learned to trust him each and every step of the way. How powerful was it? And so we need each other. Because even though we know by memory passages of Scripture, we actually need the now word of the Lord in our lives to keep us current with God, don't we? Faith is now. Faith is not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's actually now in our spirit as we walk with the Lord. Are you with me this morning? So we get this by the wisdom of the word of God. And I began to realize, uh, I've read this scripture here before, but I want to read it again because the Lord has given me the privilege of coming the second time to the best church on the coast. And so I want to read it again, uh, Matthew 25. I want to read from, and have you read with me as well from the scripture, Matthew 25, 1 to 4. We're in all the great churches this year, and you are it. You're it, amen. How good is the Lord? Matthew 25, 1 to 4, the kingdom of heaven, which is really God's way of doing stuff and God's way of life. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Say that with me. Five were wise. Are you one of the five? I want you to be one of the five. Five wise people. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The abiding anointing teaches us to remain in Jesus. And David the psalmist says, I've been anointed with fresh oil. What he's speaking about is walking in a current relationship with the Lord and staying in a current relationship with brothers and sisters and the local church. And then the authority being released and a daily experience of the Holy Spirit. We don't need yesterday's stuff. We need the fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil of the Holy Spirit on our lives today. I loved it when you were worshiping this morning. I was just getting fresh oil on my spirit. I was just getting the oil of the Holy Spirit on my life and going, I need this. I need this. I might have been a believer for all these years. And some of you have been believers longer but I need this. And if I don't have it, I need to repent and say, Lord, please forgive me. Let, let this anointing of the Spirit refresh me and come on my life. But there were those foolish ones who took no oil with them. I want you to turn quickly to another scripture if we can. Is this all right? To um, Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. And this is a powerful scripture for us to encounter this morning. Proverbs 21 and 20. He says, There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Let's read that out loud together, shall we? It's chapter 21 and verse 20. There is desirable treasure. I need you to read out loud with me. Let's go for it, guys, if you've got a Bible. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it, wastes it, uses it up on stuff that won't get you anywhere. 
But the wise are the men and women of God who know the abiding anointing, have a fresh encounter with the Lord and with Jesus each day. And these people are current with God and they're getting wisdom from the Lord to walk their walk and to live their Christian life. In fact, right through the scriptures, it says wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. In all you're getting, get this priceless treasure called wisdom so that you will be able to walk with the Lord and become one of the greatest, most influential, increasing churches on the coast that ever, ever was here. Amen. Not pride. We're the best in the world. Pride from the natural. But the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of the Lord upon us and our abiding relationship with Jesus drawing men and women to the Lord all across this area. How good is God? And that's what he's going to do with us. And so when I began to read these passages, I realized that wisdom is the key ingredient to arriving at this destination of building the local church and of building your lives to become the people God called you to be. The wisdom of God. Get wisdom. It's the principal thing. It'll carry you. It'll, it'll empower you, it'll strengthen you, it'll tell you where to go and where not to go and how to walk and how not to walk and how to become the kind of person that can make a difference in your world. Amen. Here ends the lesson. Imagine if we could just click our fingers and go, there it is, I've done it. I've got the understanding of the abiding relationship. I understand the anointing that I've received in Jesus. I've got the wisdom of God happening in my world. And now there's no pressure and stress on me because I know where I'm going and I know how to get there. And the wisdom of God begins to flow. Instead of wasting what we've been given on selfish ends, we actually use what we've been given to help build our lives and to help build the church and to be a blessing in our generation. And men and women realize, I want what they've got. I want where they're at because there's something on their lives that literally represents who God is and is such an awesome thing. That's all that is to God. Tap your neighbor and say, let's not complicate it. Let's not complicated let's keep it uncomplicated let's keep it fairly simple I know when I first met Kathy and I looked into her eyes I saw the woman of beauty that I loved and I said to the youth pastor make sure she's in my car tonight You've got to arrange these things who whosoever is looking for a wife you've got to look well. I'm not talking about lust. I'm talking about looking with an honest, pure heart. And, uh, and so I looked well. I looked around and saw all the others and I thought, she's the one for me. And uh, I remember driving home with a whole lot of other youth. It wasn't just Kathy and I. Driving home and staring into her eyes in the rearview mirror. Pretending I was looking backwards. You know, pretending I was looking sideways, but I was actually looking into her eyes. And when I saw it, it was uncomplicated. For me, it was, she's the one. That's it, man. I'm there. How simple is it? Why is it so complicated, life? Huh? Why don't we enjoy the simplicity of how much God has given to us and recognize it when we see it? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you said it this morning. When you see it, you know that you want it. Once you're there, wild horses can't take you away because you can see it. You said it as well. You said when you get the revelation, that's it. There's no more discussion, argument, opinion, debate. over. It's finished. You know where you're going, and that's the end of the road, and that's powerful, isn't it? And I began to realize it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the abiding in Jesus. It's the connection to Him and to you and to the church. And then the wisdom of the Word coming into my life, because this Word is full of wisdom. Life-giving, practical, sensible, good understanding coming from God. How good is it? Isn't it great? Are you with me? So let's go to chapter 9 of Proverbs because I've got a little bit more here for you before we finish. We're nearly done. Who's glad? <laughs> You're quiet this morning. You guys are very quiet. It's, it's quiet time, isn't it, this morning? Everybody's having their shady moment right now. We just sit in the shade and, whoo, let's try and get through this. Proverbs 9 and verse 1. Would you read it out loud for me? Wow. This is an amazing verse. I want you to get your highlighter out. I want you to get your pen going. I want you to get your thinking and focus going. Wisdom has built her house. Wisdom builds a life. Wisdom builds a marriage. Wisdom builds a family. Wisdom builds a business. Wisdom builds a church. Wisdom builds a move of God. Wisdom is what you really need. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Where are the wise people in the house of God this morning who know what these seven pillars are? I've traveled a lot. Kathy and I have traveled to 42 nations across the earth. We've preached in most of them in all kinds of different places. And I've been to Thailand a lot where they get a three-story approval and then put a four-story or a five-story building up. It's true, isn't it? It's the same in the Philippines and other places. And then what happens is somewhere down the, the way there's a crack and the whole thing finishes up as a one-story building. Boom! And it's not so funny for those who are sandwiched in it, but it's a fact. You see, they've put a foundation down and they put pillars that could retain a three-story building, but they build a five-story building up there. And then one day, when the weight is too much, the whole thing comes crashing down. And the same could be true in our lives. If we're building our lives and building our families and building the church, we need to be sure that we've got isn't seven a number of perfection? We need to be sure that we've got seven great pillars to hold up the house that we're seeking to build, be that us and our families and the church, so that when the troubles come down the way and the seismic shift, because it is everywhere. I used to think that the whole world was stable, but nothing's really that stable, is it? Everything is moving and shaking. And, and, but when it comes, the pillars keep the thing strong. Right? 
Even this building we're sitting in right now has got pillars under it, hasn't it? Aren't you glad they didn't put five and a half pillars? Aren't you glad they didn't put pillars under this thing that every time you come in it sort of does this? Whew. I remember being in a conference in Hawaii and uh, what happens was all the pastors and all the young men were dancing and singing and the floor started doing this. Uh, anybody there? Do you remember that? And the floor started bouncing and they said it was all right. But for me, I was looking for the doorposts to stand underneath them. I thought, I want to be somewhere where the roof doesn't come on my head when the roof comes out because the lights were shaking like this. Imagine living in a building with no pillars. Imagine leading a life with no pillars. Imagine leading a life with just a scaffolding around you where if it's like an Asian scaffold, it's built of bamboo and you go six stories up and put one plank there and you're plastering the thing to get it finished and, but you haven't got much to build with. God is wiser than that and he says in this verse in Proverbs 9, I want you to mark it, think about it, pray about it and learn the ways of God. He wants to give you understanding. Understanding is knowledge of the holy way of God. In the Quran, they teach that you can lie if it's necessary to protect you. It's okay to sin at certain times. In the Quran, they teach. So it doesn't teach a pillar that you could build your life on. But I want to give you some things this morning to think about. And uh, this verse 9 is such an amazing passage of Scripture. Uh, listen to it. It goes on. It says, She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. She sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. This is not going to chase you down. You've got to turn the way on the word of the Lord because it's, it's looking for you, but you've got to want it. And so it says, Turn at this. Turn in here and ask him who lacks understanding. Understanding is the knowledge of God. She says to him, come and eat of my bread and drink of my wine I've mixed and forsake foolishness and, and live and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. He who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. wise man imagine let's use him as an illustration a wise man and instead of just buttering him up and being diplomatic and politically correct to him I actually tell him the truth I, I <laughs> give it to me he says give it to me give it to me I actually give him a word of understanding from the scriptures that has power and balance and strength for him and it furnishes his life to go on to the next phase of whatever God has for him. So instead of just being nice to him, nice changes nothing. True? Nice, nice is nice when you need nice, but we don't need nice. We need truth to build our spirit and our lives. And we need the wisdom of God to make us strong in the day of the, the challenges that lie before us. So imagine he's a wise man and I give him truth. What happens is he becomes wiser. And, uh, you know, everybody around him says, 
Man, you're so wise. You're only 22, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just guessing here, you know. You're only 22, but you've got the wisdom of a 45-year-old. And this is not, there's no age barriers in this zone. You can be one of the youngest people in the church and yet have the brightest spirit and heart and mind because you've taken hold of the wisdom by turning in towards it and say, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to grow in this. I know God wants to teach me in this stuff. And then I can go the distance. And it's not just a male-dominated thing. You know, sometimes we go, oh, why do the men have it all? Hey. The men don't have it all. Just nudge somebody next to you, a male or female, and just say, the men don't have it all, man. Listen to me. I went and sat with a woman from Zimbabwe and I was sitting under the tree with all of her relatives and family that I'd never met before. I heard from Pastor Calvin in Joburg that the husband had died that morning at 6 a.m. And so Pastor Calvin said, let's go now. We'll go and comfort his wife. I said, let's go. We'll do it. And so we don't just preach this stuff from up here. We've got to live the stuff and be doers as well as hearers of the word and of the work. So away we went. On the way to the hospital, we prayed for a little baby that was three months preemie, no bigger than a shoebox, man. And believe God, the baby had to have an operation on the first morning of its birth, some problem in the intestine. And we went to the hospital, prayed. Then we went straight off to sit with this woman. Went straight in there, total stranger. I don't know her. Gave her a kiss and a hug. And we sat under the trees together. It was hotter than this and stickier than this. We sat under the trees and the relatives were all coming. And I hugged all the relatives and kissed all the relatives. I'm a total stranger. But I'm not. Because I'm an encourager in the house of God. I've learned the wisdom of God, how to live. And so I sit down at her feet. And so Pastor Calvin says to this woman, I can't think of a name, and he didn't use her name, but he called her Mama. He said, Mama, and I think it's probably very African, and very normal to respect age and, and respectful. And so he says, Mama, I'm really sorry. We can't be at the funeral with Pastor Bismarck this week because we're going to Egypt to preach the gospel. She says, no worry. Don't worry. She says, We'll bury the dead. You go and preach the gospel to the living. You, I was staggered, man. I went, how do these people live this way? And I said, talk to me a little bit further. Tell me about Pastor Bismarck's life. She said, he was a drunkard Muslim on a train in Zimbabwe when an American missionary sat next to him and because he was happy and go lucky with the alcohol, he began to talk to him and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And as he shared the gospel, this man believed and received Christ as his Lord and Savior. He went home and somehow dried out, got off the drink, and God called him into the ministry. God called him to preach the gospel. God will take you from anywhere to where he wants you to be. It's the, it's the abiding anointing as you focus on Jesus and then the wisdom of the word that will build you to become an influential leader in the earth. Are you with me? And I said, tell me about Pastor Bismarck. She said, 
She said, can I tell you that he planted 220 churches. Well, I want to drop to my knees right now and go, oh God, I've done nothing. Let me repent. Amen. 220 churches. And he was 62. I'm 63. I've got some catching up to do. And, and so influential because of the wisdom of the word in his life. His son, Tudor Bismarck, preaches with T.D. Jakes, preaches all over the world. As he preaches, millions of dollars come into the kingdom of God. Millions of dollars. Oh, you're not excited about that. I can see that. I can see you're not excited yet. I can see that if it was coming into your bank account, you'd be excited. Millions of dollars coming into the kingdom of God. But you're the kingdom. Amen. And when it comes into us, we should recognize God is resourcing us to build lives, to put lives back together, to change the earth, and to see salvation across the communities of the world. And He wants to do this. And it's so powerful when I began to read this, that understanding in a wise man, verse, this verse 9, it says, Give instruction to a wise man, he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Amen. We're just going to stand up and stretch because it's pretty warm and I've got seven pillars to give you. Who wants the seven pillars? Who's going to write down these seven pillars and then go away and think about it? Because you could preach on every one of these pillars for the next seven months or seven years, whichever way you want to do it. One, seven years. Let's stand, just stretch our hands up to God because I know we've been sitting a little bit. Stretch your hands up to God just for a moment. Just wave them around at God and say, God, I want this stuff. Lord, I know the anointing teaches me to abide in Jesus, to walk with the Lord. I know I need my brothers and sisters. I need the family of God around me. And I know I need the local church, but I know that I need to turn in for the wisdom of God. I need to seek the understanding of the Most High so that my life can become an influence for God and people's lives can be transformed. Just speak in the Spirit for a moment if you can. Yeah, go ahead. Talk to the Lord for a moment. So, seven pillars to build your life, to build your family, to build your marriage, to build your business, to build the church on, to build other people into the kingdom of God. Seven pillars that will increase you in the way of God. Number one, diligence as opposed to slothfulness. Diligence. Say it with me, diligence. You will not build anything with slothfulness. But diligence, the diligent hand, makes rich. Are you with me? Kathy and I just preached at the one-year anniversary of one of our satellite churches. We now have how many, Kathy, in our church? Seven. I think Pastor Andrew has started number seven in Wollongong. Seven. He started seven. Seven or eight, I'm not sure. There's something like that. We're going to have 10 by 2020, but actually we're going to have 10 by 2011. And then we've got a team going to China next year, and we've got a team going to Japan, and we're thinking about Vietnam, and uh, all over the world. Amen. Come on, let's, let's, be the, let's be the people of God. So make a note of that, diligence as opposed to slothfulness. 
the hand of the diligent. As we preached at this one-year anniversary, we drove into this suburb and Kathy said, I've taken that lady to hospital. I've visited there. I've had coffee there. I've walked up that street with prayer and Bibles. We've been over there. She actually door-knocked the whole suburb and visited people and shared with them and found out what their needs were to help them diligence. If we want to build a life or a marriage or a business or a church, we cannot afford to deal with a slack hand. God's not a slacker. Everybody say God's not a slacker. God's a diligent God. And if you want to prosper in life, we've got to be diligent. Hello. Hello. These young guys are giving out water. This is fantastic. This is awesome. Church has changed. It's better than it ever was. Number two, trust as opposed to distrust. We've got to learn to trust the Lord, trust people, trust that we've got the right goods. Trust is such an awesome thing. Distrust does not build anything. And so you can preach on these individually, work through them, and I'll tell you at the end where they all come from. Number three would be generosity as opposed to selfishness. Generosity. Generosity. When I last, my last trip to Africa... I think three times this year. Uh, I was down in, in Ruderport in Johannesburg and I had six books with me with You're the Best in the World written, Love, Adrian and Kathy, uh, and then I'll put the name in when I find the person. And so uh, one of the girls that I'd met who was in the housekeeping there told me that her son was not well, so I told her I would, I would help and I would do something for her. And so I did. And I said, could I have your name and address? I'm not stalking you. I'm not trying to buy you. I want to send you a card from Australia. And so Kathy posted the book for me in Johannesburg. And of course, it got lost or stolen, one of the two, and uh, didn't arrive. And when it didn't arrive, I had another one in my case. And I said, Zandili, I have bought some more with me. Here's the book I promised you. And uh, so we've got to be ready to do what the Lord's called us to do. And... Uh, and then one by one, all the housemaids kept coming up to him, Mr. Gray, Mr. Gray. I didn't tell them I was a preacher. That'll kill it. I didn't tell them I was a pastor. I said, they said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I work for the biggest company in the entire world. You know, let them think. They go, Coca-Cola, oh, no, nowhere near. Amway, nowhere near, you know. Pepsi, no, 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 nowhere near. Something way big. AMP, no, 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 bigger than that. One by one, they, Mr. Gray, can I have one of those books that you gave to Zandili? I said, yes, I, I just need your name and your phone number and your address. And then I can send you a card from Australia. And I put her name in the book. And then another one comes. Mr. Gray, can I have one of those books that you gave to the other girls? Yes, you can. And they're hungry to know the way of the Lord. Oh, the book is The Purpose Driven Life. Because I know that our mandate in life is to be generous with our lives. And it starts by the little things we do. If you've been converted to Christ, you need to tell others about it. It's, it's not about preaching. It's not about getting Bible bashing. It's about getting filled with love and then finding a way to express that to people all over the world. Who's with me? I'm telling you, I could tell you a lot of stories, keep you here all day, but it's too hot for that. Number... Number four, purity as opposed to impurity. Purity as opposed to impurity. You can't build anything without purity. Purity is where the power is. 
impurity is another power and it's a power that's not from the Lord and you and I know that purity as opposed to impurity number five is this positive words as opposed to negative words positive words imagine how powerful positive words are when you say to someone because my three-year-old granddaughter taught me this every time I see her she says grandpa you're the best in the world when she says that to me I grow 10 feet tall not just because I'm a grandpa but because of the words that she uses to encourage me that I'm the best in the world because everybody, no matter what position or station of life you're in, you need positive life-building words to build you up and make you strong. You don't want people tearing you down, putting you down, pulling you away from your destiny. You need positive, life-reinforcing words. Who's with me? The word has power to build. It also has power to kill. So use your words wisely. Tell your wife she's the best in the world gone quiet in here huh tell your husband he's the best in the world Kathy and I have been married 42 years this year she's my first wife and my only one there will be no other there will never be number two or three or four it's got awful quiet positive life building words are you with me Amen. That's so powerful. Our daughter ran the marathon this year for her 40th birthday. She ran the 42 kilometers. And uh, she'd not been a runner. She'd not been a, a, you know, a major gym trainer or anything like that, a junkie at the gym. She just basically decided, when I'm 40, I'm going to do the marathon, 42 kilometers. So we started with her at the beginning and we, uh, Kathy had a banner made up and it said, Leah, you're the best in the world. And so we stood there at the beginning with thousands of runners as she took off in the morning at quarter to seven. And then we drove off into the city to meet her at the 10K point. And we were clapping as she came along. We said, you're the best in the world. You're doing well, girl. And then we took off again and went to the 17K spot and said, you're the best in the world. You're doing well. And then we went off to the, the 21K spot. And clapped again. And we clapped everybody as they went past. And do you know lots of the runners clapped us for clapping them? Do you know what they said to us? You don't know how much it means to have someone encourage us. In the hot sun, we started in the cool, but now we're in the heat. And when you're in the heat of life, in the heat of positions, when somebody comes with a positive word for you, it's like a fresh drink of water, cool and calming and settles your heart, doesn't it? And you go on for God. And she said, to, she said to Kathy, she said, I'm just starting my race. And Kathy said, no, you've run 21 Ks. She said, no, I've never run past 20 Ks before. My race has just begun. My race is... And uh, my eldest son, who's the principal of our college, uh, ran the 9 K in the morning and then stayed in town. And uh, we went to wait for her at the 30, 31 K mark and she was nowhere in sight. Oh, no. And we're all getting anxious and worried. Oh, where's Leah? And people are getting tired. And they're, you know, th imagine 30 Ks. The legs are dragging along. Their feet are sore, you know. Uh, Mickey Mouse was there in his Japanese suit. And all the other dress-up people were there. And they're, they're running their race. There were 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds running this race. 42 Ks, I was staggered. It challenged me, man. 
and no sign of Leah. Oh my goodness, where is she? We began to pray and speak positive words. She's going to make it. It's going to be all right. And suddenly she comes walking out of the distance towards us, you know, at this point. And she said, oh, I've lost a little bit of time and so on and so on and so on. Unbelievable. But she got to the last two Ks and Nathan had waited for her to run her in in the last two Ks to get her over the line. And she said, it's no good. I can't make it. And, and, and Nathan said, no, dad's rung me and you've still got 20 minutes. Let's get in front of that police car because he's the cutoff point and let's run in. And he ran alongside her just like the Holy Spirit will run alongside you. And he ran her over the line. And then instead of him taking all the glory, he sort of shot off to the side so that she would be seen and he wouldn't. That's the Holy Spirit, man. Positive life-building words that will get us over the line to where God wants us to be. A couple of other things I want to give you and then we're done. Everybody said, phew, thank God he's finished. God, he'd never finish. Number six, honesty as opposed to dishonesty. Honesty as opposed to dishonesty. Honesty pays major dividends. It's a pillar to build your life upon. Honesty. I won't take a lot of time on that. Number seven. Number seven. Relationship and friendship as opposed to dysfunction. Where do you get this stuff, Pastor Adrian? I'm glad you asked. You get it in Christ. You get it in the gospel with one another. And you get it in the local church, in the house of God. Relationship and friendship as opposed to dysfunction. We all came from dysfunction. I did. I did. My dad was away at sea most of... And when he came home, my mother got pregnant and then he went again. And he was at sea for 12 long years. And when he came home from sea, he couldn't live at home because there were all these kids there. He'd used to living a first-class lifestyle as, as a a ship's purser in the Royal Navy and all these kids are now suddenly there were no kids in his office on the ship and so when he came home he joined the army he got out of the Navy and joined the army because there again he had a lifestyle of his own and so I came from a dysfunctional family did you? we all did really because Adam was pretty dysfunctional wasn't he? have you noticed that in the Bible? and uh, through Christ and as we learn that relationship and friendship is powerful we move from that place can I say this to you as I conclude? All of these pillars are found in the whole book of Proverbs. All of these pillars are found in the book of Proverbs. And I want to give you a secret that Lorraine Evans told me. And I want to share this with you this morning. It's powerful. Think about it. Listen to it. Proverbs 31. What do you think it's about? Eh? I've, I've always preached that all my life. I've always preached that Proverbs 31 is about Kathy. And, uh, you know, she gets up before day and all that kind of thing. But the only thing was she never did. <laughs> I used to think it was all about the perfect woman, the perfect, you know, because, is yeah, isn't it? You've read it. But you know what Lorraine Evans told me? And I believe she's right. There's truth in truth in truth. And I believe she said Proverbs 31 is all about wisdom and the she is the she wisdom 
not the she, the woman. And when I understood this, as I thought about and got understanding from the Lord, I realized that the woman of Proverbs is the woman of wisdom. And if I can embrace this and understand this, it's not looking at the faults and the failings and the small thinking of a man who sees only a, a natural position here, but actually looking at the God of all creation and the nations of the earth who actually says, you all can be the beautiful woman with the wisdom of God in your life. You can all be that as the Spirit of God comes on you. And really, what she was saying was that Proverbs 31 is in picture form a summary of the whole book of Proverbs. Wow. Let's stand together. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord. Wave those wands, please. Wave those what, thank God we were given newsletters this morning. <laughs> thank you so much.